0: Does the law really work the way
1: TV and movies depict? Let's discuss with Christine and Christine. Hello everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. This is our podcast, another episode of Law and Pop Culture. And very excited to be joining everybody again. I am Christine Madison. I am joined by my
0: fabulous co-host Christine Gerski. Good morning everybody. Christine How's everyone doing today? Um, So tell me, Chris, this is a really interesting um, episode. It is. And
1: I was saying it was a bad rush uh, before the holidays to do everything. So uh, this was a nice reprieve watching this. Uh, You know, it was pretty good. You know, again, another movie I hadn't, uh, hadn't heard of before, but I had a good time watching this one. This was interesting to
0: me. Yes, exactly. And the story the, the title of the movie is the greatest inheritance. So this just came out this year. And honestly, I, the only person I recognize here was Mina Subari. Um, because I remember her from American Beauty, always a fascinating movie for me. Um, and let's talk about this movie really quick. Of course, it's about estate planning. And it's about the situation where you can't find the will. Okay, um, typically, when it's something something like that, where you know you can't find the will, you know there is the law that you can lean on as to how things are supposed to be distributed. But if you know there's a will, it makes it so much easier to go through the process of probate if you have one. So it's important to find that. However, in this particular case, there was a will. You just had to look for it because the person who got the will inherited the entire estate. Which is fascinating to me. <laughs> so, basically, what happened here was mom passed away. She had four kids, and instead of just having the will name, you know, naming who was supposed to be received from her estate, she hired a lawyer, Mr. Shepard, played by Jaleel White. Oh yes, of course I do, Jaleel White. Jaleel White, who played Urkel, and you know, was that I forget the name of that show, oh, <laughs> the 80s yeah. show. Yes. Urkel, but anyhow, Jaleel White is, yes, and he was the lawyer in this, and he had to court, he kind of had to facilitate this, this will hunt in mom's house. So, of course, this is a story where you have all four siblings coming from different walks of life. One of them who was the most estranged from mom was a former fantastic like I don't know uh, performer she you know art, recording artist and she had been you know kind of distant from Mom for a while. Um, and of course she's the one who had the most interest in trying to really find this world because she felt she was entitled to it and um, every family member there really wanted a piece of the pie. But she was the one who who was willing to say I want everything that's what mom wants. She wanted us to find this will so we would receive everything. So it really starts off right after mom passes away everybody gathers together at the house. Um, And let's see who are the parties here there's Casey who's the uh, the artist she's also going through a very bad time because her I guess her recording career is no longer as good as it was before. Um, she meets up with her sister on the way there. I forget that. Uh, I get the already. But looking at how everything happened, you know, right before they even, when they were having a little service for her, you know, where she was being buried, already Casey pipes up. So, when are we going to do the reading of the will? And sure enough, that sets off a series of events that the attorney, Mr. Shepard, Julia White, Urkel, <laughs> can't get past that. Um, has to put in place because that's what his client wanted. If somebody asked for the will within a certain amount of time, they this this started the whole process of the will hunt. <laughs> and throughout this whole like hunt for this will, because certain things happened, certain prov- certain provisions of this the rules change. Now they have to do something together. Now they have to you know, do specific, you know, specific tasks. And the mom really rightfully from the grave was trying to bring her kids together, bring them to kind of work together instead of, you know, doing things apart like they were doing for the last, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 years of their lives. Um, Of course, this caused a lot of arguing. From the get-go, there was a family member who was already putting little post-its on things as to which one they wanted. The one who was living with mom was like, well, some of this stuff is mine, you can't put your tags all over it. And this is the kind of stuff that happens when someone passes away. And the will makes things a lot clearer, or maybe not, depending on how the will is written. Uh, but this treasure hunt resulted in, you know, something that was, you know, unexpected, which is like what would have happened under the law, which was, it went all four ways. But they had to come to a lot, they had to go through a lot, to get to that point where Casey actually did find the will and technically she would have received the entire estate but because of the, you know, reviving the relationships that which she had with her siblings, she decided, no, I'm gonna do it where we all share the estate. And it worked out so well in the end. But could this have been done better? I think it was wonderfully done to be honest with you. (laughs) Um, But you know, I think it was really wonderfully done because it, it really um, put mom's you know plan into place uh, as to getting the family together. Should it be done this way? Well, listen, you know, y'all wanted you do whatever you want. The point is, mom had a will, <laughs> so we follow that. Um, and I'll tell you honestly, if if I ever had yeah. I had four kids and this is what happened, I would love to follow this because <laughs> it was a fascinating way of you know getting the family together getting the family to kind of see eye to eye on a lot of the things that mom wanted to see them to see during their lifetime. So it was really nice and it was fun, not realistic, but that's okay. Because <laughs> um, that's some point, realistic. Right? yeah, at some point the kids we were just like, that's me. it. I'm calling my lawyer. Is They really <laughs> had to put a lot of faith in that lawyer,
1: right? Because he was yeah. the only one who knew the rules. He, mm-hmm. he was the only one who knew, you know, and who knows? You know, he could have changed. And that's the one thing, folks. You know, when we have any type of estate planning tools, the reason why you want it done is because there's things in writing. These are things that are clearly spelled out. We're not basing it on someone's memory. We're not basing it on someone's um, you know, feelings and subjectivity mm-hmm. that they'll, maybe we'll bend the rules here because I really like this sibling better than that sibling. Uh, you know, those are the things, or what if he died? Who else could carry out the rules? I don't know. I kept thinking, fun, fun movie, but realistically, Mm -hmm. it's not going to, you know, it's not going to float. You know, the other myth is about the will. Here they had to have a reading of the will, but like we've said in other talks, the reason why there was a reading of the will was earlier, in the early, early stages when all of, uh, you know, this type of legality was being created, not many people knew how to read. So that's why, you know, lawyers were probably one of the rare, you know, people who were able to read. So we had to have a reading of the will. And second of all, the mail system wasn't dependable. So, you know, people are supposed to get copies of this will. We couldn't depend on them. So, you know what, just go to the lawyer's office and that person will read it and you'll know exactly what the will says. But now we have email, we have FedEx, UPS, and, and our postal service isn't bad either, you know. So, uh, you mm-hmm. know, there's many ways to get the document to the- but you know when they had the reading here i guess they had to have the reading of the will because he's the only one with the rules so yeah what's going on so i thought that was interesting
0: yeah. um, right, right
1: but yeah to you know, this kind of thing i i don't know i i mean yeah. in, in real life if that's what you want i mean obviously you would definitely want a trust um, but, you know, there's, you know, there's that rule, right, Chris, where there's only so much a dead person can control after death. I mean, Absolutely. you know, I it up to when, who gets a piece of property, if they mm-hmm. find this and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I, and what if they never found it? Just what? right. The hiding place was just so good and they never found it.
0: What? Mm-hmm.
1: What's I the know exactly I don't know I don't know yeah. well that's why they
0: didn't happen that way. But, but one of the things too Chris is that you know I think yeah. if I recall you know because of course the concern was Casey wasn't going to spend the money wisely or whatever you know one thing that might be a concern for our listeners today is well what if you know that the person that you're who's receiving from the will isn't going to be spending their inheritance wisely or may not be spending their inheritance wisely. Like you said, there's always a trust. there's always you know um, a way to make sure that even from the grave you have certain measure of control. and I was just talking to somebody about that today where he and you know parents wanted to make sure that the house will always be in the name of their two children and if they decide to sell it that's one thing but that they always had a place to stay. So you know, one thing that we did create was a trust that's made that that's set up in the will, where they both receive title to the property. Technically, the trust receives title to the property, and they wanted to make sure that no spouses can get to it, not even grandchildren. It's just to their children, and that's something you can you can control from the grave, and you can actually set up certain provisions that. So that even if, if, if they sold the house and they just want to make sure that the money was for their children, any proceeds from the trust go to them in like small portions and making almost like a retirement account for the kids, you can do something like that. But you need a good, you know, state planning attorney to make sure the language is there and that there's rules that the, you know, the trustee, whoever's in charge of the money needs to follow. And if that language isn't there, it's kind of like, Free-for-all, they can do whatever they want. And yeah. the same thing with here. It could have been... And, 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 yeah, and the good point, you know,
1: that, that should be emphasized is that, yes, you know, many times we'll say, oh, a perfect tool to help is a trust. But remember, there are... different. Everyone should know there are so many different types of trust. You could create a trust, but it may not end up with the result you want. So again, you just mm-hmm. want deal with firms attorneys who do this day in day out that they don't do it like a trust a year you know you want to do like our firm we do so many i mean actually i Mm -hmm. think we do more trust than regular wills and that's what you want because then you want to make sure it's effective that's That's really what's important. But yeah, it was fun. That was a fun one. So that brings us to our real life situation um, where, you know, and as we always do in our podcast, we like to talk about a movie we saw and some fictionalized situation. And then we talk about something that has happened in real life uh, and go over some of the issues that are happening there. So here, um, again, talking about a missing will, Chris, uh, we want to talk about what happened to the Olympian Griffith Joyner, Flo Jo. And oh, sadly, yeah. that's a situation that happened. Yeah, I know. Now, a lot of us probably know Flo Joe. She's the Olympian. I mean, she is quite amazing. And I don't think I appreciate how much she accomplished when it was occurring. Um, because at the time it was around, gosh, it, it was when she was very young. Um, and it was around 1988. I was a I'm going to age myself. And I was still in high school at that time, Chris. So <laughs> I may have heard of the Olympics. I didn't watch it. If I did
0: want
1: to. But I've heard of all these things. So Flojo, the fastest woman of all time. Another reason why I love this is because I, I do love running. And I am not the fastest woman of all time. I like to see that there's other people who have taken up that title. Uh, so she won three gold medals. One silver medal at the 1988 Seoul Olympic Games. It's amazing. She set the world record during the Olympic trials for the 100-meter race and two world records during the Games for the 200-meter race. She was only 28. That's amazing. Uh, Ten years later, so at the age of 38, sadly, she did die of an epileptic seizure. Now, here's something that is good. She did create a will at the time of her death. Great. That's a plus. Bad part, nobody could find it. Or did someone find it and in in, got rid of it? That's my other theory that's always been in the back of my head. So they couldn't find it. Uh, and so that has been the issue and the cause of problems moving forward. So when you cannot find an original will um, mm-hmm. and no one can agree upon a, say, a copy that you want to put through, um, mm-hmm. or what the most recent will would be, you have to then consider that she died intestate. That's the legal term when someone dies without a will. So they had to probate, go through the probate or uh, administer her estate. Apparently it took four years to get through. And in the end, mm-hmm. thousands of dollars in litigation and um, sadly strife that has torn the family apart. So, you know, when someone passes away, the problem is there's no instructions. We don't know what what you want. We don't know what your plans were. So without that, that's where the tensions have started in this in, so, in situation, but in, in all our situations, right, Chris? When Absolutely. we have people who don't die with a will, you yeah. know, very rarely does it fall into uh, People have their own ideas. So tensions yeah. in this situation rose between uh, Flojo's mom and her husband, Al. Sadly, so Flojo's husband, she was married to Al Joyner and her own mom. The retentions Al owned the house where Flojo's mother was living and had been living there for eight years. Um, Florence Griffith promptly countersued that is the mom's name, Florence Griffith. She countersued arguing that her daughter had wanted her to live in the home, and uh, she had said there were quotes where said mom you know this is your home now you know you can even though it was titled in al's name it's your home you don't ever have to be worried about paying anything you'll be taken care of for the rest of your life these are all verbal statements sadly mm-hmm. al on the other hand uh, he wanted to evict mom as part of a financial restructuring because they had a child he and flojo had a daughter and he needed to provide again yeah, that's also a, a reason for why he want to do that. If it's a property that's not producing income and it's more of an expense and you have a child and there's no plan in place, that sounds reasonable on his behalf. So the reoccurring theme, her mom alleges that Al had a part, oh, sadly, in Flojo's death. Flojo died from complications of a seizure, a medical problem that she's always had. But I do know he's the husband. And there were, I did some other reading that, you know, he had some ideas of prescriptions, ideas of treatment, and according to mom, unconventional and led to her untimely death. Um, You know, mom tried to sue uh, Al for wrongful death, but uh, she failed. Uh, It really was difficult to make the connection how Al contributed to her daughter's death. Ugly, ugly stuff. Uh, Judge eventually appointed a Right, Chris? I mean, that's really what happens, right? When you make these allegations, you have a point. But the ripples are, you're alleging that you caused the death of your own wife, you caused the death of my daughter, and, you know, those things are very hard to overcome. So. You know, as they were trying to administrate the estate, I'm sure there was a fight of who wants to be the administrator. That's the other word. Instead of um, executor, you'll have administrator. So a judge appointed a third party because of the terrible um, acrimony between the two parties. The two battled in court for years and apparently um, they even battled over a charitable organization in Flojo's name. Um, A growing rivalry developed between the two charities that um Flojo had created that was created in her name and they were each re- run by the different sides of the family so you can see right Chris that not only is there strife within how to distribute assets but how about the good that Flojo wanted to do and then mm-hmm. even that caused problems because Always. of everything that mm-hmm. was going on with them so it, it trickles down everybody you know this whole thing uh, and so Joyner created, you know, Al his soon after the funeral to help young athletes, a, a type of um, a charity, a charitable uh, type of situation where young athletes and named it in honor of his wife, the Flow Joe Memorial Community Empowerment Foundation. The new charity, sadly, though, undermined the fundraising efforts of the other Griffin Youth Foundation. Ah. Um, you know, when we create these charities... They have goals in mind. And when the goals cross or not clear, this is what happens. People are vying for the same money. You're probably going up to the same donors. People are getting jealous about how money is being used and um, you know, and, and and now the whole goal of why we created these things uh, is not going to come to fruition because everybody's fighting. Those who knew uh, Flo Jo said that such an open battle would have embarrassed and hurt track Star, which is right. It would do it for anybody, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she loved to wear really fun, exciting outfits, um, you know, things like that. But, you know, this, they said, was not... Um, following through in her legacy. This was not upholding um, her standards and um, what she stood for. And it really is very, very, very sad. Um, And they're saying, right now, and they're saying that, you know, Griffith's older brother has said right now, knowing my sister, she's tossing and turning since her death and she isn't resting in peace about what's going on. And this is still ongoing, Chris, which is sad. This is still ongoing. So here's, you know, what we're trying to find out, you know, what can people do when they create a will to make sure it's stored in a safe place? That that's really what, right. The most popular question we get, Chris, after we help yep. people, we sign, they look gorgeous. And then they'll say, right. so where, where do I put this?
0: Put <laughs> what do <are> you want? <laughs> I say, know. And you know what? Here's the thing in different States, it's different, right? A lot of people are always asking me, do I register with this, with the state? And there are, different jurisdictions that do that unfortunately in New Jersey really there is isn't a place where these things are recorded at one time they were recorded with a county but I guess because people were changing their wills you know they stuck with that I think that's what happened because that was well before I started practicing law what I often tell people is uh, no I'm with
1: you since I started we never registered wills or anywhere here in Jersey which is sad. I really think it would be very right. helpful.
0: Yes, absolutely. But what what I always recommend, fireproof safe, you know, um, fireproof safe in the house. Okay. Um, do you want your kids to know about the will? Do you want, you know, whoever the next executor is who knows to know about the will, let them know where to find it. If you feel comfortable with them having a copy of it, provide them with a copy of it so you they know they they actually have this information because God forbid the fireproof safe is not fireproof after all and if it goes missing at least there's a copy out there because what happens is later on you yeah. might change it and you know and when mm-hmm. and when you do change yeah I, it, that's when you tell we're people are gonna add in the Chris that only will um, um, everything. <laughs> I, I'm sorry
1: yeah uh, I agree um you know and also i also ever since sandy i always say fireproof and waterproof um i really uh ever since sandy hit our area you know depending on what you're listening to sandy was a huge uh um disaster that happened here in jersey the east coast uh flooding a hurricane it was just terrible and a lot of things weren't damaged by fire but a- water you know surprisingly mm-hmm. but i agree you know i'd like to tell my loved ones where it is but they don't necessarily have to have a copy of everything because mm-hmm. um you know peer pressure is real the reason why sometimes people don't change your will is like oh because someone's already saw it and i don't mm-hmm. want them to feel bad that i took them out or i'm giving them less or i don't know why right. whatever you should be able to make changes as freely as you want without peer exactly. pressure and then you do
0: Die,
1: and of and course, that's you know sure, mm-hmm. and then
0: die, and that's it. Yeah, exactly. And that's then the let them take care too. of it.
1: keep estate planning documents for you know, the original for their clients. Um, and you know what? I think it's a very personal situation decision making of that firm. Um, you know, and it's just you know a comfort level on either side. You know, some firms yes. have the capacity to keep all the originals. Um, it's you know there is a liability with regards to it, so you do have to you know make sure if you're a firm thinking of doing that you have everything lined up to secure that and as the client
0: you do have to remember to tell your
1: remember to tell your loved ones where it is because I think they, some people. Have, well, everything is located uh that is where trouble starts when no one knows where everything is located you know so we really information who's your lawyer which lawyer has it if you're going to go that route
0: exactly and that's just another you know. level of confusion um, when there when you have to find le- that you know out. if you're doing it you're- so i think and that's why it's important to you know um yeah is it good to let everybody know who your lawyer is? That that's always helpful because God forbid you lose your original will anyhow. But if family knows, hey, this is the lawyer that she used, maybe that lawyer has a copy. Yeah. Because don't we always keep copies of everything? Yes, yeah, it's just part of our practice. <laughs> so um, so at least the, there'll be some kind of you know um, some trace of where. One of the things that we've
1: been doing, right, Chris, is that and uh, mm-hmm. what we've been giving out the. We've been giving them that um, emergency card where they're supposed to give that out to their loved ones so that if mm-hmm. something does happen, their loved ones will know immediately. Oh, call the lawyer. This is the lawyer who did it, you know. Yeah. Um, and it, I I love that idea because you just never know that again, they don't have to know the details of what's ever You have to know what involved. Um exactly. but yeah, so that's that's yeah, but it's does happen you know and all, of all right everybody thank you so so <laughs> much for listening in and that's the end of this episode uh really had fun as usual with chris to talk about this was a great episode hope everyone learned a lot uh and stay tuned for our next episode uh, and see you soon everyone take care all right bye bye
0: everyone thanks for listening for more go to madislawn.com